We're talking about forgiveness today. Find Matthew chapter 18. Matthew chapter 18. We're going to recognize our May wedding anniversaries before we dive into God's Word. I had forgot to do this the first Sunday of May. I did it at the early service, but forgot the second service. If you have a wedding anniversary in May, would you stand up so we can celebrate with you? Oh, we got several. May is a big month. I'm going to start back in the balcony up there. Chad, how many for you and Megan? 13? Congratulations. They're expecting their fourth youngin'. We announced that a couple of weeks ago, so we're excited for you guys. Jeff and Donna, how many for you guys? 29. Awesome. You're one behind us. We're, we're celebrating 30 this year. That's awesome. Congratulations to you guys. And Eli, we'll continue to pray for Eli. We'll continue to pray for him. All right. Chad and Sherry, how many for you guys? All right, you, you pause for just a second there. 20, is that right, Sherry? Awesome, congratulations to you guys. Chad and Sherry work down in our preschool. They teach one of our preschool classes. How many for you, Jason and Casey? 15, that's awesome. And we had the privilege of having all your kids in the preschool, that's awesome. Jordan, how many for you and Casey? 10, that's a great number, that's awesome. Congratulations, we had Caden in our preschool and what a blessing. Ryan, how many for you and Jody, right? Jody? That's right, Jody. I want to call you your sister's name sometimes. How many? Ten years. Ten years. Same as you guys. That's awesome. Congratulations. Ryan and Eleanor, we baptized in the river, and what a blessing that was last Sunday. So thank you guys. Randall, how many for you and Julia? Forty-one. Forty-one. Man, you guys are the long ones here today, man. That's awesome. Forty-one. Congratulations to you guys. Randall's part of who takes care of all our property. He's, he works on our properties team, and I appreciate all you do. How many for you guys? Garen and Amy, right? Garen, how many for you guys? 19. There's a question mark there a little bit. Is that 19? Congratulations to you guys. This is a family moved here a few years ago from Missouri, so we're so glad they've been coming worshiping with us. Kevin, how many for you and Miranda? 12. Congratulations to you guys. That's awesome. Their daughter got... Uh, Got awarded, also Eleanor, at their schools for achievements, so we're proud of you. Howard, how many of you and Carrie? 23. You looked at her like, is that right? <laughs> 23. We got to baptize Howard down at the river. Him and Carrie and their daughter Emily moved here from Maryland, and they're going to come part of our church, and it's so glad to have you guys, so congratulations. Did I get everybody? We're going to pray for these families. And then we're going to dive into God's word. Lord, thank you for the gift of marriage. Lord, what a joy it is for us to celebrate with these couples in our church family. Lord, I'm just so thankful for each of them. I'm thankful for the length of marriage that they, you've given them. I'm thankful for the love you've given them for each other. I'm thankful, Lord, whether it's 10 years or 41 years, Lord, I'm thankful that our, grow, our love continues to grow for each other. And you are at work in our marriages. You are at work in our marriages to bring you glory. You are at work in our marriages to be a beautiful picture of Jesus, of you and your church. And so I thank you for all of these marriages. I thank you for the, for the beautiful picture they are for our young people and our children and our single again that can see these couples and see this is what it means to, to being one, of serving together, of worshiping together. So thank you for all of these families. Lord, all of these are my friends, and I am thankful for them. I am thankful, Lord, that we can celebrate this gift called marriage. 
one man, one woman coming together to serve you together. I thank you for all of these. And I pray, Lord, it would be a, a great anniversary for them this month. I, if they've already celebrated, we thank you for that. If they're going to coming up, Lord, I pray it would be a great celebration. Lord, we pray for those here today who may be single and desire to be married. We pray, Lord, that you would grant their prayer and you would bring that godly man, godly woman into their life. And for our young people, as they begin to dream about the future, I pray, Lord, they would dream your dream for their life. Follow your pattern, your plan for their life. One man, one woman coming together for a lifetime. And we pray your blessing on, you, on each of them. Lord, for this time to give you thanks for our marriages. Lord, we love you. Thank you for the gift of marriage. Bless them in the name of Jesus. Amen. You can be seated. Thank you so much. Matthew 18. We're going to be reading verse 21 through down 35. I want to congratulate Zach Crawford. He's one of our young adults. He just got uh, promoted to be the head coach at the Volunteer High School bas boys basketball team. So we congratulate Zach. We're blessed with all the teachers that we have. And we got principals. And we've got so many coaches in our middle schools and high schools. I'm so proud of all you men and women. You're coaching cheerleading and football and baseball and basketball and you're teaching and you're administrating. You're making a difference. And I am thankful for each of you. And your church is proud of you. And we are thankful for what, how you are investing in our young people. So thank you so much. Matthew 18. Look at verse 21. Jesus is going to speak into all of our lives today. This is a very challenging message, and it is for all of us today. It is applicable for all of our lives. He is going to talk about the issue of forgiveness. He is going to talk about, and he's going to say, you who have been forgiven, you are to forgive. We saw the video, and we're encouraged. I love that video, talking about how we're to forgive others. And so he's going to challenge us here in the passage about forgiving. We're going to pick up in verse 21, but if you look up just a few verses there in your, in your copy of the scripture, whether on your phone, or your iPad, or, or in paper, you'll notice Jesus is talking about how to deal when a brother sins against us. We talk about this in our new members class. This is how we try to handle church restoration. When you become a member of our church, we believe we're accountable to each other. We believe we are to hold each other responsible. And so we talk about this passage. Jesus says, if your brother sins against you, go tell him his fault. So if in, in the family of God, if your brother or sister sins against you, if they do something against you, you're not supposed to go talk to somebody else. You're not supposed to go put it on social media the Bible says you're to go talk to them. If you go talk to other people or you put it on social media, that's called gossip. You're to go directly to the person who has sinned against you. If someone has offended you, you go to that person and you speak to them and you try to restore your relationship with your brother or your sister. And then it says if they won't listen to you, then you take two or three with you. Let's, let's apply this to social media. If you see a brother or sister post something that's inappropriate for a believer to post, you take responsibility as their brother and as their sister and you private message them. 
You say, preacher, what, why are you asking me to do this? Well, it's biblical that we hold each other accountable. Don't go talking about what somebody said. Don't go come telling me what somebody said. You private message them and say, hey, I love you, brother. But that picture you posted, that thing you said is not a good witness for Christ. And so hold each other accountable because you love each other. And then it says, take two or three with you. So that means you take a brother or sister with you and you go to them and you say, we love you. There's some things in your life that we see, some things that you've done. We're coming because we love you. And then if they refuse, then you bring it before the church. And that's where the church is to step in. But we need to, we need to practice restoration among us as individuals. We need to practice going to our brother or our sister and working those things out. And so he's been talking about forgiveness. He's been talking about working restoration out. And then he comes in verse 21 and Peter speaks up. Now, Peter is a lot like many of us here today. He sometimes speaks before he thinks. He'll stick his foot in his mouth. Now, sometimes he knocks it out of the park. When Jesus says, who do people say that I am? Peter said, you are the Christ. You are the son of the living God. You're the Messiah. He knocked it out of the park that day. But here he speaks up in verse 21. He says, Peter came to him, to Jesus and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me? And I forgive him up to seven times. See the teach the rabbis at this point were teaching that at least three times you ought to forgive your brother. Three times, forgive them, and then after that, you don't have to forgive them anymore. And so Peter takes it a step further and says, Jesus, he, he's really wanting Jesus' approval here. And he says, Jesus, should we forgive our brother seven times? Not just three times, but even more than that, should we do it seven times? Peter thinks he's going to get another attaboy, Peter. Man, that's great, Peter, that you're willing to do that. But look what Jesus says. Verse 22, Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven, 490 times. Now, Jesus is not saying, okay, you count up to 490 and then you stop. That's not what he's saying at all. He's saying, lose count. He's saying it's not about math. It's not about limits. It's about the matter of the heart. You see what Jesus is teaching us today, and this is a very challenging, very challenging passage. He says to us, I have forgiven you of a great debt, and I want you to forgive others. I want you to forgive others. 1 Corinthians 13, Paul is teaching about love, and he talks about how love is patient, love is kind. And then in that passage, he says, love does not keep a record of wrongs. In our marriages, in our friendships, in our church family, love doesn't keep a list of wrongs. It's ready to forgive. It's always eager to forgive. To, to forgive, not keep a list that we bring up what somebody did to us. And we, we plant it here in our hearts and our minds and it takes root in our hearts and it leads to bitterness and it leads to unforgiveness and it leads to, to, to anger. I've always felt like, if you think of the seven dwarfs, you know the dwarf grumpy? 
He had bitter issues. He was, he was unforgiving of Sneezy or somebody. I don't know who. But it causes us to be grumpy and mean-spirited because of unforgiveness. So Jesus says there's no limit to it. You forgive, just continue to forgive. So then he tells a parable. Jesus is going to teach us such a clear truth here in this parable. So listen to the parable that Jesus tells us. And then I will ask you to apply it to your life. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. We'll come back to that in a second. And when he had begun to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. Now, this number, most commentaries said it's hard to put a number on this, but we're talking millions of dollars. We're even talking maybe billions or trillions. This is just a number that's just not even, we can't even imagine. It's, it's how much this guy owed. He owed just this tremendous amount. Verse 25. But as he was not able to pay. Now, it's contradictory in just a minute in the next verse because he wants to talk about, I just need more time. But it makes it very clear the amount that he owed, he was not able to pay. It was beyond him to ever pay it back. So his master commanded that he be sold with his wife and children and all that he had, and that payment be made. Can I remind you, moms and dads, the decisions you make affect your families. Young people, the decisions you make affect others. We're studying in Genesis with our senior adult group, and we talk about how the decisions we make, the sinful decisions we make, have a ripple effect. When Abraham sinned and said, she's my sister and not my wife, it passed down a ripple effect and affected others. His sin here, his debt was affecting others. So verse 6, 26, the servant therefore fell down before him and said, saying, Master, have patience with me and I will pay you all. That's an interesting statement because it was just told us in verse 25, he was not able to pay it. But now he's saying, if you'll just give me a little more time, I'll be able to pay it back. Then the master of that servant was moved with compassion, released him and forgave him the debt. That's a picture of our Savior. But that servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. That's more like maybe a couple of thousand dollars. And he laid hands on him and took him by the throat. Can you just picture sort of like a Star Wars kind of thing? You know, he's got him by the throat here. And he says to me, pay me what you owe. I mean, he's choking the guy. You owe me a couple thousand dollars. Pay me. So his fellow servant fell down at his feet and begged him saying, have patience with me and I will pay you all. Does that sound familiar? It's exactly what he said to the master with this great debt that he'd had. Just have patience with me and I will pay you all. The same thing. How does he respond? Does he respond like the master did? Does he forgive the debt? Let's read. And it says, and he would not. The question today is this. What if, that's been our series, what if... What if we refuse to forgive? What if, like this man, even though we have been forgiven of so much, what if we refuse to forgive and we say we will not? And he would not, but he went and threw him into prison till he should pay the debt. Same thing that he was freed from, he now throws this guy into prison. 
So when his fellow servants saw what had been done, they were very grieved and came and told their master all that had been done. And me remind you today that people are watching. Young people, people are watching you at school. They're watching you at the swimming pool. They're watching you on the golf course. They're watching you as you go to your jobs, moms and dads. They're watching you, grandparents, as you shop at Walmart or wherever you go. They're watching you. Your neighbors are watching you. When I worked at the Eastman, I was 18. Started feeling called to preach. When I was 20, I went into... Bob Bricky, he was my boss and told him that I was going to be quitting to go back to school to be a pastor. And back then, Eastman was a little more like a family. And so they had a little get together for me as when I was leaving. And they even put some money together, they collected money to help me pay for school. And I had guys come from the second floor. They'd come down that was in the lab. I worked in Tenot. I bagged pellets. That's what I did, drove fork truck. And they came to me and they said this. I didn't even know some of them, but they said this. They said, we've been watching you. We've been watching you. Because Eastman, there are some guys who are believers and gals who are believers who do not live out their faith. And they wanted to see whether I was genuine or not. They're watching me. They're watching you. They're watching you. Today, when you go to that restaurant to eat lunch, that waitress is watching you because she knows you came from church. She's watching how you treat your wife. She's watching how you treat your kids. She's watching how you treat her. If you're rude, if you're short, don't leave no tip. It's a terrible witness. People are watching. If you're not going to leave a tip and you're going to be mean-spirited, go home and put on some old clothes so you don't look like going to church, okay? <laughs> go get some holes in your pants and mess up your hair. And... People are watching us. Here we see they were watching they were watching and they reported it back to the master. So look what happens. The master says in verse 32, then his master, after he had called him, said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Should you not also have compassion on your fellow servant just as I had pity on you? And his master was angry and delivered him to the tortures until he should pay all that was due him. And so my heavenly father also will do to you if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses. Let's pray. Lord, teach us in these few moments to be people who forgive. We are the forgiven and help us that we will practice forgiveness. We will Show the same forgiveness that you have shown us. Teach us in these few moments. If there's any here that doesn't know you, I pray you would draw them to you and they would be saved. And for us as your followers, may you teach us the principle of forgiveness today. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Three things about this passage in our few minutes together. And look in the scripture. It's going to guide us. Because his parable teaches itself. But the first thing I want you to see is that there was a king who was going to settle accounts. In verse 23, therefore the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. I want to remind you very briefly today that there will be a day when the king of kings, Jesus, is going to settle accounts. Everybody that's in this sanctuary, everybody that's at the early service, everybody that's listening online, every one of us is going to stand before Jesus one day and accounts are going to be settled. We're going to stand before the king. 
The Bible says it's appointed unto man once to die, and then after that, the judgment. There will be a day when accounts are settled. We will give an account for our lives. Now, here's what I want you to hear me today. If you're here and you're a believer today, and you have trusted in Christ, you have repented of your sins, you have confessed Jesus, and you have confessed your sins, turned from your sins, received the gift of salvation, then here's a wonderful thing I want to tell you today. Your account has already been settled at Calvary. At Calvary, your account was settled. The blood of Christ was applied to your account. The righteousness of Jesus was applied to your account. Your account has been settled. We will stand before Jesus and we will give an account and we'll receive rewards that we get to give back to him. But when it comes to our eternal life, that account's been settled because of the blood of Christ. Can you say amen for that? I mean, that account's been settled. That's took care of because we trust Christ. But if you're here and you're lost, you've never trusted in Christ, then if you die in that condition, still in your sins, then you will stand before Jesus one day and your account will have to be settled. You see, here's the thing. You can either let Jesus die for your sins and you can believe in him and trust in him and repent of your sins and believe in him now. Or you will settle your account before a holy God and you will have to pay for your sins yourself. Either Jesus pays for your sins or you pay for your sins. The Bible says the wages of sin is Death. Jesus died substitutionally. He died for us. He sacrificed his life for us so that he would take our sin upon him. But if you reject Jesus, then you will have to settle an account with a holy God. And how you settle your account then is a place called hell, an eternal death separated from God. You can trust Christ today and be saved or... You can wait and settle your account with the king of kings and for eternity be separated and be in a place of suffering. He came one day, he will settle accounts. But notice the second thing, not only will he settle accounts, but notice the second thing, the king will forgive our debt. Look at verse 27. The master of that servant was moved with compassion, released him and forgave him the debt. Jesus, our Savior, stands ready to forgive you today of your sins. If you're here and you're still lost in your sins, you're headed for hell, you're separated from God, Jesus stands ready and willing to forgive you of your sins. He went to the cross to die for your sins. He was buried and rose again, and he's willing and ready to forgive you of your sins. If you will confess your sins, to confess means, God, I agree with you, I'm a sinner. It also means to repent. We need to repent Turn from our sin. Notice this guy. This guy had a great debt. He says he was not able to pay it. It was more than he can pay. All of us have a great debt. We are all sinners. All have sinned. All have fallen short of the glory of God. We have a great debt. This guy thought, hey, if I just had a little more time, I can pay my debt off. We preached last week. We talked about the rich young ruler and talked about how many people in our society want to think that they can take care of their debt themselves, their sin debt. If I just come to church enough, I'll take care of my sin debt. If I give my money, I'll take care of my sin debt. If I'm a really good person, if I do more good than I do bad, if my good outweighs my bad, then that's going to take care of my debt. There's only one thing, church, that will pay for our debt, and that's the blood of Christ. Amen? 
We cannot work. We cannot be good enough. We cannot earn. We cannot pay. We cannot have more time to do more stuff. More stuff. It's all dependent upon him, upon Jesus and what he did on the cross for our sins. And so here we see God stands ready to forgive us of our great debt. Look what this man did. He cried for mercy. That's exactly what you and I have to do. We have to cry for mercy. You and I cannot pay our debt. There's a little chorus. Maybe some of you grew up singing. He paid a debt. He did not owe. I owed a debt. I could not pay. I needed someone to wash my sins away. And now I sing a brand new song. Amazing grace. The whole day long Christ Jesus paid a debt that I could never pay. Jesus paid a debt that he didn't know. He was perfect. He was sinless. But he willingly went to the cross to pay the debt that you and I owed a great debt that we could never pay. And we all deserve hell. But Jesus came and he offered his life for our sins so that we could be forgiven. Forgiven. And he stands ready to forgive you today. Will you receive him today? Will you confess your sins, repent of your sins, and receive forgiveness today? I pray that you would. Now... In our last few minutes, the third thing and the, really the focus of this message is the king expects us to forgive others. Look again at verse 33 through 35. Should you not also have compassion on your fellow servant just as I had pity on you? He's talking directly to us as believers. Shouldn't you have compassion on others as I had on you? And his master was angry and delivered him to the tortures until he should pay all that was due to him. So my heavenly father also will do to you if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses. This is a matter of the heart. Again, it's not a matter of how many times we forgive. It's a matter of becoming a forgiver. Uh, think about Jesus for a minute. Jesus did not limit his forgiveness, but he did require repentance. We have to be reminded today that God is justified to send all of us to hell because all of us are sinners. But God in his grace and his mercy and his love sent his son Jesus to die for our sins. And he gives us the opportunity. Whoever will call in the name of the Lord shall be saved. You can receive this gift of salvation through faith or you can reject it and remain in your sins. God is holy and God requires repentance for forgiveness. But that's different for us. Jesus is calling us to say to us, I want you to be willing to forgive. We are not God. We are not holy. We are people who are sinful. And we have received forgiveness through our repentance. And now he calls us to be people who are ready to forgive others, regardless whether they repent or not. Jesus hung on the cross when he was there. He said, Father, forgive them. For they know not what they do. Stephen, when he was being stoned, he said, Father, forgive them. You and I, Jesus is saying to us, I want you to be ready to forgive others regardless of whether they apologize, whether they ask for forgiveness, whether they even repent. You are to practice forgiveness. You are to be ready to forgive, to understand the 
principle of forgiveness. It is a one-sided sometimes of we say, I'm a follower of Christ. Jesus has forgiven me of this great debt that I could never pay. And in response, I will show mercy and forgiveness to the people that's in my life. Who is it for you? What face comes to mind of that person that you need to forgive? Is it an ex-husband? Is it an ex-wife? Is it a parent? Is it a child? Is it a co-worker? Is it a boss? Is it a teacher? Is it a pastor? Is it someone in the church? Is it someone that abused you when you were young? Is it someone who, who, who hurt you or hurt someone you love? Who is it for you? You see, here's what I know because I, I know people pretty good. I've been working with people my whole life. Here's what I can with confidence say. The majority of people in this sanctuary, there's somebody. There's somebody you need to forgive. For some of you, it's took root deep in your heart. It's been 20 years. It's been 30 years. It's been 40 years. You've been holding a grudge. Maybe it's a brother or sister. Maybe it's a neighbor. Maybe somebody just did you wrong. And, and it's dug deep in your heart. I mean, it's took root. It's almost become your way of life, holding that grudge and having bitterness and anger toward that person. Jesus is challenging us. And he's saying to us, I forgave you and you had the greatest debt. Now I want you to forgive others. Here's the thing. Forgiving that person is not natural. It's natural for us to want to hold a grudge. It's natural for us to want to get them back. It's natural for us to want to be angry and hold on to that anger. It's, it's natural for us to have bitterness. That's natural. God says, I'm calling you to be supernatural in the sense that what you can't do in the flesh, you can in the spirit. You can in the power of God. You can forgive that person who's hurt you and done you wrong or hurt someone you love. And today, the Holy Spirit can pull up by the roots that unforgiveness, pull up by the roots that bitterness and can set you free today. We who are forgiven are to forgive but let me ask you a question. What if we refuse to forgive? What if we bow up our necks and we say no? What if we refuse to forgive? Well, let me tell you a couple things, and you saw them in the video. A couple things as a result if we refuse to forgive. The first thing is this. You're ignoring Jesus' forgiveness principle. A simpler way to say it is you're being disobedient. Jesus has made clear, I forgave you, you're to forgive others. Look, in your bulletin, we put the verse in there this week, and Aaron does such a great job with the bulletin. Ephesians 4.32, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God and Christ forgave you. We are called to forgive and be a people who forgive. So if you refuse to forgive, you are ignoring Jesus' forgiveness principle and you are in disobedience. Second thing is you're forfeiting peace. In the life of a believer, there's no 
continued peace if there's unforgiveness. If you have, you have a grudge towards someone, an anger towards someone, you are forfeiting the peace that God has for you. There's no peace. Your anger and your unforgiveness has become your pillow at night. It's something that just become your way of life. And, and some of you, it's such a way of life, it's hard for you to let go of. Because sometimes that's what drives you, is that anger and that unforgiveness and that resentment and that bitterness. But that's not how God created you. It's not what God wants for you. You're forfeiting peace. Third thing is, is you're imprisoned to the past. Notice in this parable... The man had been set free from prison, but because of his unforgiveness, it brought him back to the prison. He imprisoned himself because of unforgiveness. When you do not forgive, you are imprisoned in this anger. Last thing is it limits your potential and the power of God in your life. There's no... There's no power of God in your life because of unforgiveness. He can't work in you and through you as he desires because of unforgiveness. But today, you can let the Holy Spirit pull it up by the roots and you can forgive. Do you know what a weight will be lifted off of you if you would forgive today? God, I've been holding unforgiveness Help me today in the power of the Holy Spirit to forgive, to let go, to let go of that grudge, to let go of that anger, and to forgive. doesn't mean I, I, I'm forfeiting justice. It just means I'm leaving it up to you, God, and I'm going to let go. Look in Hebrews. We're going to close with this passage, Hebrews chapter 12. I, one of my favorite passages to preach it's Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15, because it's such a need. This message today is such a need among the people of God because this is one of those hidden sins that we carry around. And it really hinders the work of God in the church. It really hinders the work of God in our lives. If there's people here among us who have something against each other, you're going to hinder the power of God and you need to forgive you need to let go and forgive. If there's something in your family, you need to let go and forgive. You say, preacher, you don't know what somebody did to me. You don't know the injustice. You don't know the abuse. You don't know. I don't know, but God knows. And God's able to help you to forgive because that, that unforgiveness is hurting you much more than it's ever hurting another person. Let go of it. Let go of it and let God heal you. Look what it says here in this verse, verse 15. Looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God. When we don't forgive, we're falling short of the grace of God. We want to show God's grace to others. Lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble, and by this many become defiled. There's this root of bitterness that takes, takes root in our hearts. Someone hurts us. We don't address it. Our spouse does something to hurt us. We don't address it. We bury it. And it begins to take root. And it takes root. And it gets deeper in our hearts. And we have resentment. And we have anger. And we, we, we have this, 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 we're hoarding up in here, this, this unforgiveness. It says bitterness takes root. And what does it do? It causes trouble. Today... The Holy Spirit is ready to pull this bitterness up by the roots. Now, let me tell you something. It's going to hurt. 
My wife usually mows our yard because I'm mowing my mom's yard. And so, but last week was a crazy week, and so I mowed our yard. And you in the balcony, you'll see I got a new cut on my head up here. I got more cuts on my head. I think it's from being tall and just being dumb. But I just, I run into stuff all the time. So I'm push mowing our yard and bang, I hit a limb. And my, my hat's covered in blood. Now, it would really be dumb of me if I do that again and again this week, I'm borrowing Nathan's saw, and guess what? That limb's coming down. I mean, zoop, it's gone. It's going to be out at the road. Why? Because I don't want to continue in that same pain and destruction. Sin's like that, man. If you don't get it out of your life, it's going to just continue to bring trouble and struggle and destruction. Some of you need to cut some limbs in your life. You need to get rid of this unforgiveness and confess it to God. God, forgive me for this bitterness and anger and all this weight I've been carrying around. I'm going to release it today. I'm going to trust you with it. I'm going to forgive that person. Some of you may even be having a grudge toward God. Maybe because you're, somebody died or something happened or this happened and you, you're, you're mad at God. Man, today's a great day. Confess that. God, forgive me for that way that I am feeling. What if we refuse to forgive? We're going to miss out on a lot of blessings that God has for us. We did a series in 1 John about the evidence of faith. Forgiveness and being willing to forgive others is evidence of our faith. Forgiving others does not save us. Only Jesus saves us. But when you're willing to forgive, it's evidence of your faith. Will you forgive today? For those who are lost today, there's going to be a settling of accounts one day. Either let it be your sin be settled there at Calvary, or you'll stand and give an account for it before God and for eternally be separated. I pray you would come and settle it at Calvary. Would you stand with me for prayer? Lord, what a powerful parable that you have shared with us today. You have such an amazing way of speaking truth. And you spoke into our lives today. There's some folks here today who need to let go of some things. And your Holy Spirit pulls some stuff up by the roots. It begins with confessing. Confessing that unforgiveness. And then asking you and the power of your Holy Spirit to be able to forgive. Lord, I believe lives could be changed today. I believe families could be changed today. I believe futures could be changed today if we would forgive. If there's any here that's lost, I pray they would come and settle an account, their account with you today by coming to Calvary. Accomplish your purpose, we pray in the name of Jesus.